What's going on guys? Welcome back to the channel. I appreciate you coming back. Uh, today we're going to talk about the show called Cursed, which is a Netflix original. Uh, it came out over the summer and uh, me and my wife, we just spent some time giving it a chance. You know, we're trying to get into some different things, trying to see what's out there. And what really drew me to this is just, you know, the basis of what the show is about. Now, for those who may have not seen it and they're looking to this for kind of a review format where I give you whether or not you should watch it, uh, to me, I would say yes. I would say you should definitely give this a, a chance, even if you're not interested in anything that the story itself is about. But what I do want to tell you is that this is basically a kind of reimagining of the beginning story of King Arthur. Uh, I believe most people know the story of King Arthur, a little boy who became king by pulling Excalibur out of the stone when nobody else could. This isn't about that, though. Funny enough, what it is about is just a reimagining of kind of a backstory before King Arthur was even a thing. Now, there are a couple of things that I don't like about the show. I'll get into those gradually. But what really did draw me into it was because I'm a huge King Arthur fan. Like, I really love the lore that revolves around those stories. And it does have a very deep mythology based in it, which I've loved ever since I was a kid. I love every variation of it. And the only thing I have not sat through is they came out with another show. I think it was on ABC and it was called Merlin. Um, it pops up on Netflix every so often, I feel like, and I think on Amazon too, you can find it. It's really old. I think it only lasted like two seasons. It wasn't that good from what I heard, but um, it is another show based in the same mythology and the same lore. Uh, and I never sat through that one, but I have seen pretty much every movie. Uh, whenever anybody asks me, what's your favorite Disney movie of all time? I usually say The Sword and the Stone, which is Disney's version of the King Arthur story, and it's animated, and it's one of the best movies, but nobody talks about it. It's like, The Sword and the Stone is such a fantastic film, and, well, at least to me, you know, again, this is an opinionated kind of thing I'm talking about, where King Arthur is one of my favorite mythologies, so I love The Sword of the Stone. And if you like the King Arthur mythology, or if you're at least into mythology in and of itself then this is definitely a good show to watch, even though it's kind of a reimagining. There's really very little basis on the actual lore, but what it is based around is it's based around a graphic novel written by Frank Miller. Now, we all know who Frank Miller is. Uh, if you don't, he's the man who gave us 300. He's the man who gave us The Watchmen. He's the man who gave us um, Sin City. He's the man who gave us one of the best stories um, in the Batman series, being uh, The Dark Knight Returns. He is a pivotal writer in the graphic novel area, and just about everything he touches is gold. Very few things I have ever read of his have ever been like not living up to the potential of whatever else he's written, and he and his name is well known in the community. Now. I didn't know what this was until I read up on it and understood what it was trying to do. And knowing that it's based on something that's an interpretation of a great writer like Frank Miller, I do understand why they wanted to make this version of the lore a show. And it's not done poorly. It has its moments where it could be a little bit better. A couple of things I loved about it was that 
it really dives deep into everything else that's part of the um, mythology around Arthur. Like the characters that – the main character uh, played by um, – What's this girl named? Catherine something. I've never seen her in anything before, and this is like a breakout role for her. She plays the character of Nimue. Nimue eventually becomes, uh, a little bit of a spoiler alert, eventually becomes this character called the Lady of the Lake. In the King Arthur lore, the Lady of the Lake plays a pretty good role in various stories, depending on which story you read about King Arthur that involves the Lady of the Lake. Um... I don't know much of her backstory in and of itself. I just know that she exists at the point where she is the Lady of the Lake. And in one of the stories, she's actually the one that gives King Arthur Excalibur. So it isn't even a matter of, you know, it's always the sword in the stone. We just know that when Arthur becomes king, he pulls the sword out of a stone. Well, there's actually a story where he's given the sword by the Lady of the Lake. Now, this new story, The Sword of Power is what they're calling it. I believe the Sword of Power is Excalibur. They're just not calling it Excalibur yet. They don't say that word at all throughout the entire first season. It's always either the Devil's Tooth, which I don't really like, or the Sword of Power, or the uh, the Sword of the First Kings. Now, all of that's all well and dandy, but when you're a King Arthur fan... It's fucking Excalibur. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not calling it Excalibur. The same reason why, like, when you watch uh, Man of Steel with Henry Cavill, they don't call him Superman. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just that thing where it's too cliche to really say. It's it, it it's Excalibur. Eventually, they're going to say it, and I'm going to be, you know, a mark, and I'm going to lose my mind. But that's because I love King Arthur. But they don't call it Excalibur in the show. So basically what this is, is that it's the story of Nimue and it leads up to when she, but right before, or probably depending on what's going to happen next, when she, before she becomes the lady of the lake. Now, I don't know what their plan was. I've never read these stories by Frank Miller. All I know is that the one thing that really stood out to me that I hated so much was that between, but by the by the third episode, you they made Arthur a dick. And, like, I love King Arthur. And the the main thing about Arthur was that, yes, he was always this, this like, ragtag uh, nobody that came from nothing, lived in the dirt, scrounged for food and stole from people, you know. There's even, like, the Disney version, The Sword and the Stone, he's just a, a stagehand, you know. He helps feed the horses. So it's always about this boy who nobody expects to become king becomes king now there was a, the, the the recent version that came out with what's his name from sons of anarchy uh that's a very very poor interpretation of where it kind of starts because it really like goes too deep into what kind of power that arthur gets from the sword but it is still it does still have its moments where it's good one of my favorite movies is the clive owen version king arthur from i think it was 2007 or 2006 that's one of my favorite versions because it kind of just starts right in the middle like the thing with the the lore of excalibur is that it always has to start with arthur pulling the sword out of the stone that's the premise of the entire thing if you to ask anybody who king arthur is the guy who pulled the sword out of a stone 
not everybody knows about the Knights. Not everybody knows about the round table. Not everybody knows about Merlin. You know, maybe Merlin's another one. Not maybe people know about um, Guinevere. You know what I'm saying? Like, being the one that he married. And in that Clive Owen version, they don't have fays. They don't have fairies. They don't have magical powers. What they have is people called warts, which is just another um, clan that kind of takes up the same land as them. And it goes really deep into the religion. And then, of course, the Vikings come in and they try to take over the land. So King Arthur fights them. And then this story, the the show Cursed, that also dives into the Viking background that revolves also around the same mythology as King Arthur. Because Vikings played a big role. I believe the cartoon version that came out in the 90s, uh, King Arthur and the Knights of Justice, one of my favorite shows as a kid, <laughs> that also, I believe their villains were Vikings. And I think that that's the premise. It's always King Arthur kind of versus the Vikings. Uh, but this show goes even deeper. Not only do Vikings eventually get involved, but there's also the king who is king right at the moment, what the land who is king of that land, King Uther. Um, there's a great story revolving around him. Not sure where that falls in the lore. I don't know much about King Uther, so I can't comment on that too much. But one really good other villain kind of character are the red paladins and the red paladins is the church and the church is basically going after the fae or the fairies or the gifted or whatever you want to call them it's basically those that aren't human they kind of look like fawns they're they're magicians they're fairies they're healers you know that's what nimue is nimue is a fae who can control the the earth almost that's what they kind of portray a lot of her powers to be. But the thing is, she's not only the person who the story is revolving around, but she's also, quote-unquote, cursed. And she was cursed by the Dark Ones. And it's the story of the outcasted Fae and her journey to bring the Sword of Power back to Merlin. And they even portray Merlin in a light where he's not even... Like, he has a history. Like, people are like, oh, here comes Merlin. Like, oh, we finally get to meet Merlin. He has a reputation already in the story. It's not really a coming of tale for him. It's sort of a coming of tale for Arthur. But again, like, they really, like, they do Arthur really poorly in the show. And I kind of hate that. I kind of hate that the premise of the show is based around the lore that it revolves around one main character and you have that main character involved and you totally are not doing him justice. And that's probably my biggest gripe with the show. If you're a King Arthur fan and you watch the show, maybe you'll feel the same way. Maybe you won't. I don't know. But as a diehard King Arthur fan, actually I shouldn't even say diehard as, as a very um, well-versed King Arthur fan, I would have to say that they don't do him justice in the show. Again, it's only the first season. Netflix always does good by their shows. It is still a great show. It hasn't been renewed for a second season. How it ends does leave openings for more. And of course, you know, you want more, especially when you get to the ending of the show. Now, not to give too much else away, but one of the other things I did love about the show was the little incorporations of various characters who hold the names of some of Arthur's knights. So for those who are well-versed and maybe those who aren't King Arthur and his Knights of the round table was always him and any variation of 12 Knights out of, I believe each between each story, there's about 20 uh, Knights that come and go. There's, you know, the basics, you know, there's Lancelot, 
there's Percival, there's Gawain, there's Galahad, and there are also a couple of other ones. So, like, one little sneak in there is there is a car- there is a knight, his name is Bors. In the King Arthur movie with Clive, uh, Clive Owen, one of his knights' names is Bors. I believe that movie had Bors, Lancelot, uh, Galahad, Gawain, um... I forget the other two. And even that took place kind of after, you know, it's not a, it's, it's not a, um, what's the word I'm trying to find? It, it's not a, uh, story that gives you the beginning. It's a story that takes place already while they are existing. So like when you go to the round table in that movie, you know, the, the, the priest walks in, he sees the table and he's like, why is the table round? And he's like, well, Arthur feels that all of his knights should face each other like men. But, it's a table that looks like it's set for 20 people and there's only six of them, which establishes that they've been around for so long and they've lost so many other knights. These are the only knights that are left. It's, it's Arthur and these five ones out of all these empty chairs and in the round table is where, is where Arthur and all of his knights sit. And Bors is one of those knights in some stories in the show. Bors is a knight that's relatively old and basically, I wouldn't say a villain, but more like a side character asshole for three episodes. And then he kind of fades into the background. So I do feel like that's kind of a, a hint that like, oh, yeah, here's boys. Here's people that do exist that you will see eventually. But then they kind of just eliminate him. So it's like, OK, he's too old that if he was a knight, it wouldn't be around the same time that Arthur would eventually progress in this story where Bors would be a knight in the same time that he would be king. I don't know where they plan on going with the story. All I know is that it's decent enough to sit through. It had my attention long enough as a King Arthur fan, and I'm sure it would for you. I would say watch it just for the fact that it's, it kind of also cures that itch for like wanting something medieval, something fantasy. You know, we don't have a game of Thrones anymore. You know what I'm saying? We don't have much else going on where it comes to what we actually can watch. If you're into that kind of fantasy and this gives that to you, you know what I mean? Like if you don't want, uh, there's another one that I want to eventually sit with on Netflix called barbarians. That looks pretty good, but I think that's came out recently. This show has been out since I think July. So again, that's probably another reason why it's too early to predict whether or not it's going to get a second season. I do feel like they're going to give us a second season because it does end on a note that leaves that opened. And it's a huge lore that they should definitely take advantage of. It has so much potential and they're definitely setting a foundation where hopefully I would say they could do at least three seasons before it gets ridiculous. So like this season, the sword eventually goes from Nimue back to Merlin. So now let's say next season, it's now Merlin and Nimue. And then at the end of that season, the sword eventually goes into the stone. And then it ends with King Arthur taking the store out, taking the sword out of the stone, or it goes into the third season and that's the season where King Arthur takes the sword out of the stone. And then maybe a fourth season with King Arthur, King Arthur actually establishing his right to the throne. Who knows? Maybe they can get four seasons out of this. I like that they're doing a story like this in a show fashion because not everything has to be a movie. Sometimes certain stories do get portrayed better in show format because it gives you more time to work with. You make a two-hour movie, you could easily leave out certain details that you're going to want in there. You make a 10 episode show. That's an hour each episode. 
That's 10 hours that you get to really build this story, to really build these characters. Um, again, it had a lot of good points. I would say watch it from a King Arthur perspective, being a King Arthur fan. I had things I didn't like about it. If you're a King Arthur fan, you might have some things you don't like about it. But you'll only know if you actually sit down with it and give it a chance. All right, guys? Okay, thanks for listening. I'll catch you guys in another one.